It's been almost a full month since the horrific shootings at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida took place. Nicholas Cruz, the gunman, was indicted on 34 counts of first-degree premeditated murder and first-degree attempted murder and is currently in custody in jail in Florida. Many major news outlets have turned to different stories, and President Trump has certainly moved to other issues like tariffs and the ever-present Russia investigation, but the students of Stoneman Douglas and high schools around the country certainly haven't forgotten, and we're far from moving on. I'm Zora Linger-Reed, and this is We the People, politics for those who can't vote. In this episode, you'll hear two students from Stoneman Douglas discuss their reactions to the shooting and the steps they've taken post-shooting to change gun legislation for everyone. So like, we all heard this like noise. Like, it was like a loud noise. We, we didn't know, none of us is too bad. It was like gunshots. And so, um, Shortly after the noise, the fire alarm rang, which was it was the second fire alarm of the day because we had a fire drill um, previously that morning. So everyone was like, this is weird and excessive. And we thought, oh, this might be a real fire or something. So we all left the classroom. And by the time we got to the uh, field in the back um, of our school, it's like a huge field in the back next to this canal. And um, they were like, um, Room, like it started off, it started off like a rumor per se. It was a school shooting that I thought that people were joking, but like then the, the teachers were all like screaming and like telling us to get behind the gates and stuff. And then we saw helicopters and all this crazy and police sirens. And we were like, oh my god, this is like real. This is Brandon. I'm Brandon Dissent Amos. I'm 17 years old and I go to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. I'm a junior. He just described his experience during the shooting at his high school on February 14th. As you've probably already heard or read, Nicholas Cruz, a 19-year-old expelled student, entered the school with an AR-15 that's a semi-automatic rifle and killed 17 students and teachers. Cruz had been a known threat for a while, posting disturbing images of himself with his 10 legally obtained firearms on social media. According to CNN, he even began introducing himself as a school shooter. All of this was only learned later, though. So we evacuated and... um... Um, we heard the gunshots again, and then someone screamed, and she said that um, I turned around and I saw this girl scream. She was like, I don't think it's a drill. We need to run. That's Amanda De La Cruz, another junior at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and Brandon's girlfriend. So we ran out, and there were already people outside because um, the first floor already, it's easy for them to evacuate. They're just waiting for the second floor, and um, I was with my friend Jada. And she called her cousin because um, she didn't think it was a drill either. And the next thing we, like, the next thing we heard was um, her cousin crying hysterically into the phone because the shooter was outside her classroom. So that's when we knew it wasn't a drill. But other people um, assumed it was because, like, Brandon said, there was, like, a rumor that, um, like, it might have been, but no one, like, actually believed that, like, it was happening. Fellow high school students are probably familiar with this sentiment. At least at my high school, whenever the fire alarm goes off, most people assume it's for a drill. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas isn't very different in that respect. 
There was also the complete coincidence that just a couple weeks before the shooting, Brandon and Amanda's teachers had given all of their students lectures about different types of drills, code red and code black. We were in creative writing class, and this was the class that had, I think, the most casualties in the freshman building. And it was a class that I was in the period before the shooting. And we were talking about the code red and code black stuff. And she, and there were a bunch of kids talking about, like, you know, I would do this and I would attack the shooter and I would kill the shooter and all this stuff. But, like, no one knew what, no, no one knows what they're going to do until you're faced with, like, you know, a situation like that. Luckily, Amanda and Brandon, as well as many other students and teachers at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, were able to evacuate safely, find their parents, and return home. In the days that followed such a shocking, horrific event, the rapid turn by some students at the school to social media to advocate comprehensive legislative change was remarkable. Brandon and Amanda, however, said they were still in shock. Um, the day it happened and the day after, we were just, we were on Snapchat, we were talking to our friends, and we were finding, we were just finding out, like, the, the, the yeah, list of people yeah, who died. Yeah, who died, like, list, but, like, people were, like, like rumors of shot. who yeah, might, exactly. might have, people like, passed away. Like, Guac was shot. Um, like, Coach Hicks, he was shot. And the missing know? people, like, yeah. they couldn't, like, the un- the unidentified bodies, like. Yeah, everyone kept posting pictures like, of the missing people. If you oh, find them to call this number, right. contact this person. Amanda agreed, speaking to her reactions in the first few days after the shooting. At first, when it happened, I kind of just watched the news and watched the whole thing unfold through my TV. Um, other people, like Emma Gonzalez, by the second day, she already, like, started the movement and she knew what she was going to do mm-hmm. and she knew what she was going to advocate for but like I was still in shock and I like I give her credit people like her credit for like being able to push through um all these emotions to create a change but at first I was mostly in shock Emma Gonzalez is the girl you've probably seen all over your newsfeed in the past couple weeks She's been an incredibly vocal activist in the gun control movement that's come out of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. With about 20 other students, she's created Never Again MSD, an advocacy and activism organization that's amassed a huge following, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and is planning its first nationwide protest all before its one-month anniversary. Gonzalez was one of a few key actors, others include David Hogg and Cameron Kasky, who have taken to mainstream media and their representatives' offices to make their voices heard. Amanda was also able to go to Tallahassee to speak with representatives there about gun legislation. So before we talked to the governor, we spoke to a couple of senators. Um, it was a group of 100 kids or more, um, and each group is divided 10 people per group. And we spoke to senators like Senator Mayfield and Senator Garcia and um several other senators who, others who are advocating for the same change and then others who opposed gun control or like opposed the banning of semi-automatic weapons. So um, we talked to Governor Rick Scott towards the end and it was mostly him just asking us what we would like to see for change. But um, obviously he's not for the banning of semi-automatic weapons. Uh, he was mostly focused on mental illness and school safety on like what type of construction we would like to see in our school like if we would want to close the different openings and entrances um walls yeah or if we would like bulletproof like windows. windows and 
um, more armed security guards and such. This gets at a key aspect of the school safety debate coming out of Parkland. Obviously, a major factor is gun control. Nicholas Cruz was able to purchase all 10 of his firearms legally in Florida. In fact, sales of new models of the gun he used in the shooting, that's an AR-15, a semi-automatic weapon that's essentially military grade, were actually banned in the federal assault weapon ban that was enacted by Bill Clinton and was in effect from 1994 to 2004. Clearly, this weapon isn't one that should be readily accessible to the average citizen, let alone a mentally ill 19-year-old with a history of violent tendencies and who was reported to the police via emergency call 39 times over a seven-year period. So making the legal possession of powerful firearms more difficult and limited might be a good way to prevent similar tragedies from occurring. However, supporters of the NRA and the Second Amendment by its broadest interpretation are also looking to alternative solutions, like what Amanda said Florida Governor Rick Scott is interested in. Changes to school construction, evacuation drills and strategies, and security systems might have also prevented many casualties in the Parkland shooting. But as Brandon pointed out before, drills only go so far. Kids goof off, no one takes them too seriously, and then people aren't prepared for a real situation. So, given that the debate is multifaceted with strong reasons for both gun control and mental health slash school safety reform, quickly the idea of a combined school safety and gun control law became very popular in the Florida House. After over a week of debate, the House passed the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Act on March 8th with 67 for and 50 against. Key measures of the bill include raising the legal age to purchase a firearm to 21, it was previously 18, instituting a three-day waiting period for gun purchases, banning the sale of bump stocks, devices that can make semi-automatic weapons fire like automatic weapons, and providing funding for in-school mental health services and to arm school officers. That last provision is probably the most shocking and controversial, and there's definitely a lot more fine print than just giving teachers weapons. First of all, both the school district and the local sheriff's department would have to agree to arm school marshals. A marshal would have to pass a mental health screening, a background check, and a drug test, and complete 132 hours, that's five and a half days, of training. He or she would receive a $500 stipend for their new duties and would join the nine other school marshals at his or her school. That's right, this bill aims to put 10 armed school marshals in each school in Florida, a feat that Vox finds would amount to 37,000 guns in schools statewide. Despite this part of the bill that's been denounced by representatives, families of victims, and students, the bill as a whole has been endorsed by thousands, and Governor Rick Scott is projected to support it or even fully sign it into law by the end of this week. Regardless of its contentious status, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Act does signify a willingness to readdress gun legislation in Florida. Ultimately, its success and value can only be deemed by those who've experienced gun violence firsthand, though. Though gun control is a big part of our movement, we also we also think it's important um, that mental illness is important, so school mm. safety. So, yeah, I do think it's beneficial yeah, to implement um, certain safety um, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, having armed security guards, I don't think it's the worst idea. Having armed teachers, like for every teacher to be armed, or for what did they say, ten percent of the the. Well, this is like you like choose like the teachers would decide whether or not they would like to commit mm-hmm. to that. I don't. I don't know. That and they'd get a bonus and stuff. That definitely doesn't make us feel more comfortable. Armed security, maybe. But and there are like certain factors, like if the SWAT team were to like come in the classroom and they don't right. have a description, just like they didn't have a description for Nicholas Cruz, they wouldn't know if a teacher were if the teacher was the one terrorizing the students Mm -hmm. so i mean i have a i mean 
sorry. Oh, God. Um, it's very easy for them to make those mistakes. My friend Lorenzo, probably, um, he was arrested and had guns pointed at him because just because he was alone upstairs in the auditorium and everyone who evacuated, um, who hid in the auditorium saw him alone, knowing that he was a student of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, um, they assumed that he was the shooter and called the police and next thing you know he had guns pointed at him so the same confusion can occur if a teacher were to have an armed weapon and a SWAT team were to come mm-hmm. into classroom. Amanda makes a great point here and one that many have made in the past week while the Florida legislature has been debating this bill. Logically more guns in a violent situation mean greater potential for injuries and deaths. Particularly when law enforcement is involved guns can only add to the confusion. Brandon agreed. Because I think one of our teachers um, at the uh, the town hall meeting on CNN, she said that um, when the SWAT team broke into the classrooms, they, the first question they asked, does anyone have a firearm or like a yeah. gun? And I don't think anyone in that room, in that circumstance, would want to be the one with yeah. the gun. Ultimately, impulsive behavior cannot be predicted by background checks and mental health screenings. The way a person acts in a crisis can be completely separate from their normal decision-making and typical actions. Having more armed people in a school doesn't seem logical to many, Brandon and Amanda included. So it follows, what is the best possible solution? What would make the students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas begin to feel safe in their own classrooms and hallways again? As of right now, that question has yet to be answered. A perfect policy proposal won't be crafted immediately. It'll take some time. But between now and then, the students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas will be far from silent. We have no plans in stopping now because that's what happens with these things. You know, there's a little bit of friction, a little bit of movement, and then everyone just forgets and just goes back to their normal lives. And so this happens again. So, but like, we want to remain persistent mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, um, I'm hoping to go to the rally in Washington, I believe. March in Washington. Uh, yeah, in March. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna, we're, we're trying to get our voices out there as much as possible and trying to do as much as we can. I mean, um, although, um, 100 kids were sent to Tallahassee and that was an organized trip, there, uh, there are like plenty of, I mean, we saw many groups of kids like show up to Tallahassee to talk to senators without appointments. So mm-hmm. even if it's not organized or even if we don't have a sponsor, um, our Kids in Marjorie Stoneman Douglas are super persistent, and the community of Parkland and Coral Springs super persistent. There, there's not a chance that we would let this die down because we're fully aware that if the media stops paying attention, so will the nation and the world. And that's effectively the mission statement for this episode. We cannot let the incredible movement coming out of Parkland, Florida, die down in the upcoming weeks. There are so many ways each of us can help out and support the students as they continue to advocate for change. First off, there's the March Brandon mentioned. You can head over to event.marchforourlives.com, type in your zip code, and find a march near you. Similar to the Women's March, the main March for Our Lives will happen in Washington, D.C. on March 24th, with smaller, local marches happening all over the country and the world on the same day. Thousands are slated to be there, and Lyft is offering free shared rides to the march, so get a group from your school or local community, make signs and t-shirts, and take to the streets. Secondly, there's the National Schools Walkout on March 14th at 10 a.m., The main movement has been organized by the Women Marches Youth Empower Group, and it encourages everyone at school on 10 a.m. next Wednesday to walk out for 17 minutes in support of gun legislation reform. Colleges around the country have preemptively waived any disciplinary consequences students might face from protesting, and many high schools have also come out in support of the walkout. 
This aspect of the movement is particularly relevant if you're worried about the potential for arming teachers that's been posed in the new legislation. Lastly, there's always the option of calling, emailing, DMing, etc. your local representative to let them know that you're on it. If city and state representatives get enough calls about a particular issue, they start to pay attention, especially if those calls are from young, active students. The app Countable is a great resource to use for this, as is any old-school landline in a quick Google search. Oh, and if you're based in the NYC area, be sure to reach out to Coalition Z, a youth-led political advocacy group that's organizing a bunch of events this month in support of the students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. So, as you can see, there are so many different flavors of activism and ways for you to get your voice heard. There's no excuse. Put me on pause, pick up a pen, a phone, a sign, whatever, and tell your representatives and the world hashtag never again. We the People is hosted by me, Zora Lingarid. This episode is edited, recorded, and produced by me. Our music is by the mysterious and wonderful Breakmaster Cylinder. Our cover art is by CC Wong, with help from Naomi Wong Kenobi. Special thanks to Brandon and Amanda for the interview, and to Noah for the contact. Happy belated birthday, Noah, and happy 18th to Kate Flicker, our ambassador from Connecticut. As always, thanks for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>